We're so glad that you are checking out this sermon from New Beginnings. Our vision as a church is to become an authentic biblical community that transforms our city and impacts the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do this through gathering in worship, growing through community, giving to the kingdom, and going on mission. We know that one of the greatest blessings of the church is getting to pursue this vision that God has given us together. My hope is that we would get the opportunity to connect with you in person and get you plugged into the life of our church. Also, if you have been blessed by the ministries of New Beginnings, we ask that you would consider supporting us financially. You can do so by clicking on the giving tab of our website, nvbctx.org. I pray that you are both encouraged and challenged by the scripture today. It's that time of year, right? It's the holidays, they're upon us. And so I've been driving around town and, and I've been looking at some of your houses. And here's what I've come to notice is that many of you already have your Christmas lights on your house already. Some of you have even started turning them on already. I've even seen in some of your windows, you have your Christmas trees up. How many of you would be willing to be 100% honest and transparent this morning and raise your hand and say, I've already got my Christmas tree up and we're ready to go? Like, oh, look at you. Look at you guys. They were, man, the first hour, it was like almost everyone, it seemed like. But you guys, so now my wife's looking around, and here's what she's doing. She's like, see, it's okay. Like, she was ready to put up the Christmas tree the day after Halloween. And she's getting the bins out. She put the Halloween stuff up, and I'm like, hey, wait, you're already, you're skipping ahead. You forgot there's a holiday before Christmas. It's called Thanksgiving. And, but many of you, if you're, you're like the rest of us, it's that time, the most wonderful time of year. You, you're already looking to Black Friday, Cyber Monday. You've already experienced Amazon Prime Day. You've been doing all your ordering, and you're ready to go, and you're looking forward to, to this wonderful time of year. And so while this time of year, the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas is the most wonderful time of year, and it's filled with great joy and laughter and family and friends and, and all of the amazing food and all of the fun that we get to have it can also be a very difficult time for a lot of people. Statistics would say that it's this time of year as we approach the holidays that uh, the, the, there's an increase in anxiety. There's an increase in stress. There's an increase in depression. And there's an increase in loneliness. And so while it is one of my favorite times of year and it is a lot of fun and a lot of joy, I'm not naive, I, I understand because I've experienced it as well, that it can also be a very sobering reminder of the one that's not here. It can also be a very painful time to, because you just realize, like, man, the brokenness that we've experienced in our family or the, or the things that we're going through. And so uh, regardless of where you're at on the spectrum this morning, whether everything is good, like Pastor Zeke said, and things are, things are cruising along, and it couldn't be better, or whether you're on the other side of that and you're going, man, I just don't know how to do it. I just wish that we could get through this as fast as possible because I don't know if it'll ever be the same again. Wherever you may find yourself this morning, here's what I know. Is I believe that God will meet you in that place as we dive into his word, as we look at his word. If you will just allow the Holy Spirit and the word of God to minister to you this morning, I know that he is faithful, and I know that he will meet you at your greatest point of need. Would you pray with me? Father, I lift up my friends to you this morning. God, I thank you for 
the worship that we have already experienced and the words that we have already sang. And, and God, I thank you for the way that your name has been lifted high in this place. So, Father, I pray over the next few moments as we open up your word and we look at it, God, that you would uh, move me out of the way, God, that you would speak to your people through your word and by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would meet with them in a fresh and powerful way. God, we love you and we thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up in the Old Testament to the book of Psalms. We're going to be looking at one of the most popular passages of Scripture found in the Old Testament. This Scripture has been a great comfort to many soldiers on the field of battle. This has been a great comfort to many uh, grieving widows and mothers who have had to say farewell to their, to their children. This has been a great source of comfort to orphans and prisoners alike. It's probably, been, it's probably the most quoted words in Scripture of someone on their deathbed or even at a funeral. And so while it is a popular passage for those who are perishing, I believe it is more for the living than it is for those who are gone. And so I'm praying today, Psalm 23, if you're wondering, you would, you would read these words found in Psalm 23 that are usually read at a memorial, that are usually read at a celebration of life at someone's passing, that today you would see this Word of God in a new light and that it would speak life into your life, that it would speak truth into your life, that you would read these words and allow the Spirit of God to minister to you in a powerful, powerful way. If there's ever been anyone who is qualified to write these words about a good shepherd, it was the guy writing these words, David. You see, David was a real guy who experienced all of the ups and downs that you and I would ever experience, and then some. He understood everything that there could, would be about triumph and tragedy. And so David was more than qualified to write these words. And here's what the Word of God says in Psalm 23. David wrote these words. He says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. David starts off right there in verse 1, and he says, The Lord is my shepherd. Not anyone else. He's my shepherd. David personalizes this, and he grabs a hold of it, and he says, Man, the Lord is my shepherd. Shepherd, did you know that we live in a day and age where they would say to you, you don't need a shepherd? You don't need a God. In other words, you can be your own God. You can do your own thing. You can do what you want, when you want, how you want. You don't need anyone leading you. You don't need, need anyone telling you what to do. You do what you want. You be your own shepherd. You be your own God and just do it your way. Can I tell you that that is not true, that that is not correct? Let me tell you New Beginnings. We need a shepherd. We need a shepherd, but not just any shepherd. We need 
the good shepherd. We need the good shepherd to comfort us, to lead us, to guide us, to lead us every step of the way. I love what Charles Spurgeon says. Charles Spurgeon said, if he be a shepherd to no one else, he is my shepherd. He is a shepherd to me, for he cares for me. He watches over me, and he preserves me. Now, King David, when he wrote this, he made no if, ands, or buts about it. He wrote with absolute certainty, and he said, The Lord is my shepherd. Where are you at this morning? What about you? Can you say those words with confidence? Can you say, He is my shepherd? You see, Psalm 23 only matters if He is your shepherd. My prayer for you this morning is if you cannot say that with absolute certainty, if you cannot say the Lord is my shepherd, then hopefully by the time we're done here today, you'll be able to say that with complete confidence. Hopefully today will be the day that he goes from being everybody else's shepherd to being your shepherd, to where you will personalize it and you will own it and you will grab a hold of it and say, if he be no one else's shepherd, he is my shepherd. Shepherd, that is my prayer for us today. Let me give you some context about the text that we're reading this morning. In Psalm 23, it's written by David, King David. Historians would say that this uh, shepherd boy, giant slayer that became a king, did not write these words from the king's castle. In fact, they would say that David probably wrote these words from a cave where he was hiding for his life. See, King David, although he was a mighty warrior, there were times in his life where he was on the run, fearful, full of stress, full of anxiety, full of uh, just being overwhelmed by the things, in the, the, the things of life that were coming at him. And it's in this cave that David began to pin these words and write these words and preach this message to himself. It's in this cave where David was experiencing all of the stress and all of the anxiety and all of the fear. And in the middle of that storm of uncertainty, he wrote these words and then he preached this message to himself. Did you know when the storms of life are raging around you and all the uncertainty is going on that there's going to be times you got to preach to yourself? Now, I know some of you are thinking, man, Pastor Todd or Pastor Daniel or whoever it is up here, they preach their best messages on Sunday morning. I'm going to tell you that's not true. You know where my best messages are? It's when I preach to a captive audience of me, myself, and I. It's when I'm looking in the mirror or I'm dealing with something and I have to remind myself of God's goodness and God's faithfulness. And I have to tell myself, just like Pastor Zeke did here a minute ago, say, nah, that's not, you may give me that report, but I, I'm just going to look at it and I believe that my God is greater than any doctor's report. I believe that the cross of Calvary has overcome and given me victory over all of these things. And so I'll, I'll take that and I'll look at it and I'll process it. But here's what I do. I know that my good shepherd, my king and my savior has overcome everything that I'll ever face. And that's what you got to do when you're facing the storms of life and uncertainty. You've got to preach to yourself. You've got to preach the gospel and remind yourself of God's faithfulness and who he is and what he's done on your behalf. And that's exactly what David's doing in Psalm 23. In Psalm 23, David is preaching to himself, reminding himself of the Lord's faithfulness and the Lord's goodness towards him. You see, before we can understand the Lord as my shepherd, it helps for us to understand who we are in this equation. If the Lord is the shepherd, then who are we? Sheep. 
Uh, whether you like it or not, you guessed it. We are sheep. Now, I know you didn't show up this Sunday morning right before Thanksgiving. You're thinking about turkey, not sheep. I know you didn't show up this morning thinking, man, the pastor's going to call me a sheep. It's not my word, just David. So whether you like it or not, David says in Psalm 23, the Lord is the shepherd, then we must be the sheep. Now, I know if you're thinking like me, you're like, man, come on. There's nothing intimidating. There's nothing strong. There's nothing even sexy about a sheep. I mean, look at this guy, right? I mean, now, hold on. Why is it that when I show you guys a picture, I know I can tell by the look on some of your faces. When I put that picture up, immediately some of you thought of someone. You're like, you related that goofy looking sheep to someone. And if they're sitting next to you, don't look at them right now. Don't elbow them and go, that kind of looks like you. That's not going to go over well at lunch, all right? So whether you like it or not, what do they, they say? A picture's worth a thousand words, right? Or a picture is priceless. But if you're like me and you're looking at this, you're probably thinking, really, God? I mean, like, come on, dude. Of all the animals in the animal kingdom, that's what we get? That's us? I mean, come on, if you're going, you got to do better than that. Like when I, that's not what I would have picked at all. If it were me, I would have probably picked something like a lion, you know, or of something ferocious, maybe even something that can fly like an eagle or a shark, some type of predator that just goes out and takes charge, but not a sheep, right? So if you're thinking me, you're going, man, why a sheep? It's not what I would have picked. And whether you like it or not, Unfortunately, that's what we are. You see, did you know that sheep are mentioned 200 times in the Bible? Over 200 times, there's references to sheep all throughout the Scripture. And trust me, it's not for their power. It's not for their prowess. And it's definitely not for their intellect. Sheep, if you did not know it, are not very smart animals. And whether you like it or not, we are sheep. Let me give you some examples of four challenges of being a sheep. I'm sure some of these will resonate with you. I'm sure you'll be able to relate to some of these. The first one, if you're taking notes and writing these things down, which all good Christians will do, right? They'll take notes so that they remember this. Uh, And if you don't, if you aren't taking notes, we'll get you some counseling afterwards, all right? But here's the first thing. Sheep get lost easily. Sheep get lost very easily. In fact, Isaiah 53 would say it this way. He says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own ways. Did you know that sheep have a tendency to wander off? Sheep can be out in the wild, out in the wilderness with the rest of the flock and the rest of the herd, and they can be perfectly fine grazing, and they can see something over here, and here they go. And they wander off, and they leave the flock, and they, it's kind of like squirrel, right? They're, they're gone just like that. That's sheep. They, they will see something, and they'll think, man, that grass looks a little greener on the other side of that fence. Let me go over there and taste that grass and see if that's as good as what I've got over here. Sounds a little common, doesn't it? You know anyone like that? They tend to see something and they're on to the next best thing. They tend to wonder. And when you wonder, you get lost. And sheep get lost very, very easily. The reality is this, is that we too, like sheep, tend to wonder. We tend to get distracted. We tend to get pulled away by all the shiny things out there. 
we easily get distracted and we easily wander off. Let's be honest, guys. Most of us are not as good with directions as we think. Right, ladies? That's your chance. That's your, that's your chance to elbow them. I mean, we have the iPhones and the GPS and all of those things are amazing things that we love to use. And it's great to have technology like that. But when it comes to life, we need more than an iPhone. We need more than a GPS to get us to where we're going. We need a good shepherd because sheep without a shepherd tend to get lost very, very easily. Second thing is this, sheep are defenseless. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but that sheep, sheep did not look very intimidating, did he? He did not look very ferocious. Most of you want to go up and rub his head like this, right? And cuddle him and pet him. He, he has no fangs. He has no claws. He has absolutely no way of defending himself. You see, sheep without a shepherd are completely and utterly defenseless. There is nothing they can do to protect themselves. Sheep need a shepherd because the shepherd is the only one who can ultimately protect them and guard them from the things of life, from the things that are going to come at them out in the wild. Third thing is this, sheep are very stubborn. Look at the person next to you, this is your chance, and say, he might be talking about you. Sheep are very stubborn. Now you can look at the person that just said that to you and say, man, it sounds like he kind of might be talking about you. Sheep are very stubborn. Did you know out in the wild that sheep, if they, can, if they come to two rocks, they will, and they're trying to get to the other side, they will walk into those rocks even if they can't fit through it, and they will wedge themselves between the rocks. And no matter what, they will keep going forward no matter what. They cannot go in reverse. A sheep can't back up. So a sheep will keep pressing forward no matter how hard or how difficult it is, no matter how tight this, this space is, and they will get themselves completely stuck and wedged between a rock and a hard place, right? Any of you know anybody like that? They're so stubborn. They're so hard-headed. From the outside looking in, you're looking at them going, man, how come you can't see that? Why do you keep making the same decisions over and over and over again and you find yourself in the same situation that you were last year or the year before or the decade before it's because you keep doing the same thing expecting different results which is called insanity right and you keep getting yourself stuck in this situation because you just keep going no matter what anyone else says around you you're so stubborn you're so hard-headed i'm talking about sheep not you that you keep getting yourself stuck in these situations, in this predicament. If you would just stop and listen to the shepherd, he would lead you around that situation into greener pastures. But you keep getting stuck because you're so stubborn and so hard-headed. Fourth thing is this. Sheep are filthy. What? <laughs> Sheep are filthy. Stinky, nasty animals. Now, I know that's not the picture of you, have, you have of that cute little cuddly sheep, right? In fact, when we see those sheep, they are all white and fluffy, and you think of like a warm sweater or a warm blanket, right? That sheep does not usually look like that. That sheep has been pressure washed. 
He's, he's had a good bath. That shepherd has taken some soap and washed him all up and pressure washed him. And then, ladies, you know what this is. He's giving him a blowout, right? He's blown out that hair and puffed it all up to make him look good. But that is not the normal way that a sheep looks. Sheep are filthy and stinky. In fact, Paul would say it a little bit that we are similar to that. In Romans 8, he would say it this way, For no one does good, not even one. We've all gone astray. We've all turned to our own ways. In other words, we are all covered by our sin and our guilt and our shame. And our sin stinks. And we need to be washed clean. You see, sheep need a shepherd that will wash them clean. We need a Savior who will forgive us and wash away all of our sins. In fact, the writer of Isaiah would say it like this. 118 Isaiah says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Whitewashed wool. Though your sins are like scarlet, Deep stains that go deep within. The Savior can wash you and make you white as snow or white as wool, as the writer in Isaiah says. You see, sheep need a shepherd to wash them. And we need a Savior who will forgive us and purify us and cleanse us from all our sins and all iniquities. You see, for the rest of our time, it's not, I know we've had some fun talking about the sheep. But for the rest of the time that we have this morning, I want us to focus on three incredible truths about the Good Shepherd. As we look through Psalm 23, I want us to to really highlight and really focus on what it is that the Good Shepherd does for us, the sheep. David starts off and he says this in Psalm 23, verse 1. He says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want... He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. See, the first one, if you're taking notes, is this. What does the good shepherd do? The good shepherd provides. The good shepherd provides for us. Say it aloud. Say, he provides. Ready? Oh, you got to do better than that. He provides. The good shepherd provides. David says, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. It's a pretty rare thing these days to find someone who doesn't want something. It seems to me in this day and age that everybody's striving, everybody's trying to get more, especially this time of year. Everybody's making their list, everybody's looking online, everybody's comparing what everybody else has got, everybody's looking at everyone else's highlight reel on social media, looking at what their neighbor has going, man, I don't have that kind of car, maybe I should go get one. I don't have that type of wife, maybe I should go find another one. I don't have that type of husband that brings me flowers. They look at these highlight reels and it leaves us desperately always seeking and searching, wanting more, wanting what everyone else has. And David says that if you have the Lord as your good shepherd, he says, you shall not want because he is more than enough. He's met all of your needs and you don't have to strive for anything. He's leading you in green pastures. He's leading you beside still waters. He's restoring your soul. It's a rare thing to find someone these days that says, I'm good. I got all I need. I don't want anything. I have all that I need. I have more than enough. When you see that person, it makes you just stop. 
and go, man, I want to be like that. I want to be content. I want to stop striving. I don't want to want what everyone else has. I just want to learn to be content with what God has given me. See, there's three things. He goes on in the next part of that verse, and, and he talks about lying down in green pastures. How often have you seen sheep lying down? If you know anything about sheep, and it's probably rare here in East Texas, but if you know anything about sheep, it's rare to see them lying down. And here's why. Sheep need about three things in order for them to lie down. You see, a sheep will not lie down if they're hungry. A sheep will not lie down if they're anxious, like if there's tension between them and the other sheep or the shepherd. They won't lie down because they're just anxious and they can't rest. And they will not lie down if they're afraid, if they're fearful, if they're afraid. It sounds pretty common or all too familiar to me. Maybe you can relate to this as well. Like, I can't sleep if I'm hungry. Anybody like that? I can't rest if, if I'm anxious or if there's tension between me and my wife. In fact, I better not go to sleep if there's tension between me and my wife. Because none of us are going to get any rest. Like, it's just not going to be good. That's why it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. That you need to resolve these things with one another. You need to get it all out and, and fix this tension and fix this so that you're not anxious about it. And then you'll be able to rest. There's also times where if we're out traveling and we're in an unknown place, if it's a little bit shady or I'm a little bit worried about it, that I'm sleeping with one eye open. I, I can't rest if it's not my own home or my own comfort place, my own place of comfort. Any of you like that? Can any of you relate to that? You can't sleep if you're hungry. You can't sleep if you're anxious. And you can't sleep if you're afraid. And that's the same thing when it comes to sheep. He goes on to say, He leads me beside still waters. Do you know sheep will not drink out of rushing water? And not, not even rushing water, even like a small, steady stream. They approach it, and because of the moving water and because of the noise, they're not drinking out of it. They're afraid that if they drink, that they might slip and fall in and then look like a giant cotton ball getting washed downstream, right? Sheep will not drink out of rushing water. That's why David goes on to say, He leads me beside still waters. He calms the water so that I can drink. He meets my needs. And then it goes on to say, He restores my soul. You see, our shepherd is such a good shepherd that He's such a good provider that He doesn't just meet our material needs and give us everything we want, but He gives us what we need. And He doesn't just give you everything you want, but He meets your needs by restoring your soul. I have friends that when you look at their lives, they have everything they could ever want on the outside looking in. When I looked at some of my friends' lives, they've got everything money could ever buy. They've reached extreme levels of success. There's nothing they don't have, but yet when I sit down and talk to them over coffee or lunch, they are miserable on the inside. They have no peace. They're constantly anxious and stressed out. They're always worried about all their stuff and about who's trying to take their stuff from them and about if they're going to lose all their stuff or how they can keep all their stuff. They have no peace whatsoever about them. They are anxious and worried and fearful and stressed out. 
So from the outside looking in, it looks like they've got everything they need, but yet they have no peace. Can I just tell you, friends, if you are like that, if you are anxious and worried and fearful and stressed out all the time, then you might be a sheep without a shepherd. Because the Word of God says that the shepherd comforts us. He meets all of our needs. He leads us. He makes us lie down and rest in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters and he restores my soul. Like he's restoring me. He's renewing me. It's an interesting thing when you see someone who all hell can be breaking loose in their life. All these things can be going on. The storms are raging around them and all of a sudden you see them and they are walking through the storms with complete confidence and it just looks like they are just at ease. What is that? How can someone go through these storms and these things that are going on where it seems like the world is crumbling around them and yet they are steady and their eyes are fixed and they are walking through it with complete confidence and peace and at ease? It's the Holy Spirit that is within them. It's it's the Spirit of God that is comforting them and restoring their soul from within. You see, don't, don't miss this. All hell can be breaking loose. The storms of life can be raging around you. And the Spirit of God in that moment, He may not calm all the storms that are raging around you, but He will speak peace, be still, to the storm that is raging within you. He may not calm the storms around you, but He will calm the storm within you. When you know the Good Shepherd and He's restoring your soul, you can walk straight ahead into those troubled waters knowing that He is restoring your soul, that He has complete authority and control over all of the wind and all of the waves, and He will tell them to be still. He is our Good Shepherd. And He will lead us. He will guide us. He will bring us into the green pasture. He will allow us to drink from still waters. And He will restore our soul from within. It's the power and the presence of the Good Shepherd in your life. It's one of the greatest testimonies for a watching world when they see a disciple of Jesus walking through some troubled times and they're looking at you going, man, you should be crumbling. You should be falling apart. By all means, you should be collapsed on the ground. But yet you're up on your feet and you are walking forward in confidence with peace in your life. There's a difference there. They, they see that and they're wondering, like, what is it that you have that I don't have? And you can tell them it's the peace that surpasses all understanding. I don't expect you to understand it because you don't have what I have. But let me tell you how you can get what I have. You tell them about the good shepherd that restores your soul. And that holds you up when you can't stand on your own. That allows you to walk with complete confidence through troubled waters. So the Good Shepherd does these things for us. The Good Shepherd provides for us. He restores our soul. But the Good Shepherd also always corrects. The Good Shepherd corrects. Here's something to ponder if you're prone to wonder. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews would say it this way in Hebrews 12, starting in verse 5 through 8, it says, and, you, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. For God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? 
If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Now, I know for some this is not popular. This is not easy to hear. My generation and those below me do not like to talk about correction. We don't like to be corrected by anyone. We're so easily offended when someone corrects us and tells us that's not the right way or that's not good for you or you might need to stop doing that because it's not going to end well. We think, how dare they speak to us that way? How dare they tell me not to do that? I decide what I'm going to do. So my generation, I've grown up with a lot of friends that meant they did not like to be corrected. They despised correction. In fact, if you tried to correct them, they're going to do it anyways just to prove that they can. Y'all know anybody like that? That's that stubborn sheep. That's that stubborn sheep going, I'll show you. I'm going to do I'm going to get through those rocks. No matter what, if it kills me, I'm getting through that. You see, the good shepherd corrects us. I was reading up on sheep. It's not like I'm a sheepologist or an expert or anything. But, uh, so don't come asking me all kinds of questions about sheep. If you're planning on raising them, I don't know. You're on your own. But I was reading about sheep uh, in preparation for some of this, and a friend of mine had given me a book last year, and it's it just filled with information. And he was talking about the shepherd and the sheep out in the wilderness, and he was talking about those sheep that are prone to wonder. And he said, man, as those, those sheep, the young sheep, if, as they tend to wander and get off away from the flock, they're susceptible to attacks from uh, predators. When they get away from the herd and they're on their own, they're, they're defenseless. Remember, they can't defend themselves. And when they leave the flock, they're so much more susceptible to the attacks of wolves and, and whatever else is out there. But not only that, they're going to wander to the edge of a cliff and fall off and die. And so when David writes in Psalm 23, he says, your rod, which is a short wooden rod, and your staff, they comfort me. He's talking about the, even the correction is a comfort to me because when you see me going astray, when you see me going a, down a path that's going to lead to my ultimate destruction, you love me and care enough about me that you will take your rod and you will correct me to correct my path, to get me back in the herd, to get me back where I belong so that I don't get eaten by a wolf, so that I don't fall off a cliff and die. And so that correction, although it hurts in the beginning, it is, ulti it is ultimately for my own good. The shepherd would take his rod from the, on that little sheep, and if you're sensitive, you might want to cover your ears on this, he would find that sheep as he tended to wander off, and he would reach out and he would crack its back leg. He would break the sheep's leg so that that sheep would not walk off again. And he would not leave that sheep to his own. He would then bend down, grab the sheep, pick it up and put it on his shoulders and carry it everywhere that he went. He would love that sheep and he would nurse that sheep back to health. And then for the, for the rest of that sheep's life, guess what? He would never wander off again. Because over the next however many days that it took for that sheep to heal, that shepherd had to carry it everywhere. So this didn't make it easy on the shepherd. He's now got to carry this big old fluff ball on his shoulders. And he's also got to feed it. He can't just graze on its own. It's got a broken leg. So he would, that sheep would become so utterly dependent on the shepherd for its survival that it would never walk away from its side again. And for the rest of that sheep's life, he would stay right here by that shepherd. He would not leave. I remember when my son, my oldest son, was about a, a toddler, and he had just started walking and running around, and we had let him outside to play in the yard. Like many of you, as a, 
a parent, I would try to teach him about the dangers of the street. And I would say, as soon as he would go near it, I'd say, eh, don't do it. Don't put your foot in that street. Because you see, there's these things called cars that come up and down the street. And if you step in front of one of those cars, it's game over. Lights out. And I can't live with myself if I let that happen to you. I love you too much to let you play in the street. And so every time he would walk and he would start to do this, I would warn him a couple times. And then, you know, like some kids do, they're like. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, it's coming, baby. The rod of correction's coming. And I would reach down there and give him a little swat or two. And I would let him know, hey, here's, here's, here's what's going on there. I would rather you feel the lesser pain of my hand than the greater pain of the car. I know you don't like the correction right now. I know it hurts. I know it stings. I know you think I'm mean, but I'm correcting you for your own good because I can't lose you. You mean too much to me. And so you will feel the sting of my hand many times in your life, but it's to correct your path and keep you from going down a path that leads to destruction or that can harm you or that can hurt you. And that is exactly what the writer of Hebrews is talking about here. The good shepherd will correct you. He will allow you to experience some of the lesser pains in this life to correct, you, to correct your course and prevent you from the greater pain, the greater pain that there may be no coming back from. In fact, Hebrews, the writer goes on in, ver- in chapter 12 to say it this way in verse 11. He says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You see, the good shepherd provides, the good shepherd corrects, And the good shepherd always protects. Say, he protects. I don't know about you, but when I was reading through this and studying, I sat there and I thought about that word protect, that the good shepherd who knows the sheep, that he always protects them. It says he will always protect them from the things that are coming at them. David writes it like this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You're right here by my side. Your rod, remember, your rod and your staff, those are a comfort to me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. You see, a good shepherd will get down on his knees with the sheep in the flock, and he will take some oil or ointment, and he will anoint the sheep's head and nose with oil. And a lot of times you're going, what, is he just putting perfume on them because they stink? No. There's actually a reason and a purpose behind the oil or the ointment. You see, there's flies out there because sheep are stinky, filthy, right? There's lots of flies out there. And those flies will get in the sheep's nostrils, go up into their head and lay eggs. And then those eggs will hatch and they will become larvae in the sheep's brain. And those larvae will drive the sheep insane. In fact, they will ram their heads into rocks to try to get rid of the, 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 the issue that's going on in the head, the pain, the annoyance 
the frustration that they're experiencing. They want it to stop. They'll do anything to make it stop. So much so that they will ram their head into a rock until they die. And the shepherd knows that. And so he gets down and he anoints their head with oil, with ointment, so that those flies will not go in their nostril. So the good shepherd is protecting the sheep from something that they don't even know they need protecting from. As I was thinking about this, I thought, man, God, how many times have you protected me from something that I didn't know I needed protecting from? How many times in my life have you protected me from the relationship that I thought I wanted and you said no? How many times have you protected me from that business deal that I thought was going to be great and I was about to jump into and you shut that door? How many times have you protected me from all of these things that I thought were going to be for my good and you still stopped them? You see, that's what a good shepherd does. He sees things that you can't see. He knows things that you don't know. He sees so much further down the road that you can't see, and He's protecting you from those things. I know as you're sitting there, you're thinking about those things that God has protected you from throughout all of these years, and you can see them now that you're past them, and you're saying, God, thank you for protecting me from all of those things that I didn't know I even needed protecting from. And so I think right now this might be a good time to just give God a 30-second praise saying, God, thank you for protecting me. Thank you for being my good shepherd. Thank you for looking out for me even when I didn't know I needed looking out from. You see, the good shepherd, he protects us. That's how good our God is. That's how good our good shepherd is. He protects us from the things that we can't see, from the enemy that's out there that wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life. He sees it all, He knows it all, and He will correct you, but He will protect you from those things if you're walking step by step, hand in hand with the Good Shepherd. But He has to be your shepherd. You have to belong to His flock or He cannot protect you from those things. You've got to know Him. You've got to personalize it. You've got to know that He is protecting you from the things that you don't know you even need protecting from. And in our stubbornness, when God doesn't give us what we want, we keep trying to get it anyways. And sometimes He's just got to grab a hold of us and drag us away from it. And go, that's not what's going to be best for you. David continues to write in the second part of that verse. It says, my cup overflows. You know why David wrote that in that passage? He wrote that because in Middle Eastern culture, when people would sit down at a banquet or a, a, a Uh, someone would host a party. As long as they kept pouring the drink, you were welcome to stay. But the moment that cup ran dry, that meant time to go. Party's over. You ain't got to go home, but you can't stay here, right? Party's over. And David says, no, not my shepherd. Not my Lord. In fact, he says, my cup overflows it never ceases to be full it's not it's not just a little bit he says it's overflowing with mercy and grace love and mercy grace on top of grace it never runs out it never runs dry my cup constantly overflows with the lord's goodness because he's my good shepherd he's my provider he's my protector he's my corrector he's the one that brings comfort to me in these difficult days as i walk with him through these things he is right there with me every step of the way for me because he is my shepherd. There's an interesting thing that I left out about sheep. While they may not be the smartest animal in the animal kingdom, there is something very unique about sheep. You see, sheep have this amazing ability 
to be able to distinguish and know their shepherd's voice above all other voices. When they've been trained to hear their shepherd's voice, they recognize his voice above all the noise and all the other sheep and even all the other shepherds that are not their shepherds. A sheep could be with other sheep in another pen or in another field, and if their shepherd calls them, they will come and follow him. They are able to recognize, they hear and recognize their shepherd's voice. In John 10, Jesus would say it like this. He'd say, hey, you know that shepherd that David was writing about in Psalm 23? Guess what? That's me. He says, I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear me. They know my voice above all the other noise. They know my voice and they follow me. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know how many storms are raging around you. I don't know what Thanksgiving's going to look like at your house. If you can want to call it a storm, we'll call it a storm. I don't know what's happening in your world. I don't know what's going on, what's going to happen the rest of 2019. I don't know what 2020 is going to look like for you or me. But here's what I know. I am praying for each and every one of you that above all the noise and all the distractions and all the things that are screaming for your attention, all the things that want to get you to wander away, that you would hear the shepherd's voice above all the noise and you would follow him into the future, into 2020, keeping your eyes fixed on him. It says in Hebrews that he is the author, he is the perfecter, he is the finisher of our faith. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the one who finished it all and has given us complete victory over everything. Amen? So I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're dealing with today, but I'm going to pray for you. If you don't know the good shepherd, if you cannot say with complete confidence, he is my shepherd. If he's no one else's, he's mine. Then maybe today's the day that you get to know him. Amen. And if he is your shepherd, I'm praying for you today that as you walk out of this place, that He would make you lie down in green pastures, that He would lead you beside still waters, and that He would restore your soul. That you would walk out of this place going, man, my cup is full. I know you, Lord. You're my good shepherd. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the way that you love us. God, thank you for the word of truth we have seen and read and experienced in Psalm 23. God, in Isaiah, in Hebrews, thank You for Your Spirit that penned the words on those pages so that we would have them here today. Father, I pray right now for my friends under the sound of my voice that You would meet with them in their greatest point of need like a good shepherd does. Father, if they are anxious, if they are fearful, if they are stressed, if they are worried, if they are any of those things, Father, I'm praying right now that Your Spirit would meet them in that place, that You would minister to them, and that they would experience the loving embrace of the Good Shepherd, that You would comfort them, that You would lead them, that You would guide them, that You would calm the storm that's raging within them, that You would give them peace and restore their soul. Father, if there's anyone in this place who doesn't know you as their good shepherd, Father, may today be the day of their salvation. Father, I'm praying for anyone who doesn't know you as Lord, who cannot say that they have victory because of the cross of Christ, that today would be the day 
that they surrender to you. I hope that you have enjoyed this message. If you have any questions about anything that you have heard today or would like to know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, feel free to call our church offices at 903-759-5552 or send us an email at info at nbbctx.org. As for staying up to date with what's going on at New Beginnings, follow us on our social media accounts. Have a great rest of your day.